Welcome, welcome to the Crypto Podcast, the Crypto Conquest Podcast. I'm joined today by Michael from our bank social team. He should be jumping on here in a few. Uh, we had some we had some issues with our last podcast, but hopefully we've resolved those issues. So be expecting Michael here on in a minute, but today we're going to be going over some, uh, some really cool topics. Uh That's right. We've got some really, really good topics that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be going over the, uh, there he is. Say, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right. There we go. There we go. We got, we got Michael in the house. Give it up for Michael. We're going to play around with some uh, effects today, Michael, in the background over here. uh, That's a good good applause. That's a good applause. That's right. That's right. It is a good applause. So, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and take it through today. I was starting off. This is the Crypto Conquest. Uh, You got me. You got Michael. Uh, both on the bank social team, but we really like to take this time to talk about the crypto space in general, Michael. And thanks for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So today, I think what we wanted to cover, uh, we were looking at kind of what's going on in the space. We got three topics to cover today. We're going to cover the the return of all that hacked money, which I think is really interesting. We're going to cover the burn that's been going on, and then we're going to cover this influencer uh, deal and how that's going. Uh, so, oops, how'd that get in there? <laughs> I don't know, but it works. <laughs> but but at least we have a drum. At least we have a drum roll now. So that is good. That's good. Better than the drum roll I had to get. The, that's right. That's right. It is. That drum roll. <laughs> that drum roll is. Uh, is uh, it was well timed, well thought of. Uh, execution lacked a little bit, but it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, why don't we get into it? So that first topic, M- Michael, uh, this six hundred million dollars of hacked money being returned. Yeah, nearly, nearly all of it's been returned. Uh, I saw. Um, was it? Did you uh, hear about what he made? What he or she? I don't know if it was a he or she, but did you hear about what they made as their? Uh, their ultimatum request for giving the money back. Do you know what that was? No, no. I saw that they uh, locked it into a, a what two hundred sixty-eight million dollars left that requires access from Polly and the hacker to like release the funds. But uh, no, what um, what did the stipulation they stipulation he made? So I, I'm I'm thinking that this wasn't what I would consider a real hack, where there was an exploit that was you know, found by somebody that was unknown and they hacked it. I think it was a a lost key, a private key that got out into the open or somebody from the inside gave to somebody or left open somehow. This person was able to take the money um, because the reason why I think this is because as a stipulation of the return of the money, he told Poly Network to create a multi-sig wallet and he wouldn't. He or she would not return the money until the multi-sig wallet was set up. Can you believe that? Interesting. Isn't it interesting? So that's why I think it was really uh, not a hack per se. But I mean, of course, finding somebody's finding somebody's private key or whatever and gaining access to their 
wallet. It's a hack. But crazy that he got it and then now he's or she is is uh, mandating that they put together a multi-sig, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's yeah, like you know. So they're they're kind of giving it back, but but not not really. You know, like you 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 can see that it's coming back, but until until you get both signatures, or uh, you know, until you get both both parties agreeing on there, uh, you know, it's not it's not really back, is it? Well, I don't think Polygon's got or po- not Polygon, but Poly Network. I don't think they have an issue with signing. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I hope they wouldn't. Not. Probably not. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, it was uh, provided the final key when everyone is ready. Interesting. Is it, isn't that interesting? So what you know, what they when everyone's ready. Yeah. So I think uh, that's that's a that's an interesting thing for me. I covered that on on the last show, but it's uh, it's very cool to see that whoever that was that did that hack did it really just to be kind of a white hat person. Um, yeah, they're kind of like trying to expose weaknesses and, and you know maybe maybe improve things. Uh, they certainly got some publicity. Certainly yeah, got yeah. some publicity out there. You know, that's one of the most talked about things in you know that's happened to the to the space in a long time. So, which which it, it's good that it gets you know gets more word out there, but it certainly probably made some people a little nervous about uh, you know the amount of money and and you know the the, the term hack and and uh you know, that number of assets uh, a lot of people gets a lot of people who more some of the more traditional uh people a little more nervous about the ever using crypto so we'll see where it goes but uh the, the more it gets talked about the more it gets talked about so but did you also know that uh u.s dollar tether was usdt was able to lock down the tether so that it couldn't get spent did you know that yeah, I was reading about that. They had like an internal failsafe that they were able to activate that basically like made it useless until they let it go. Or yeah. uh, did did it basically like completely disable it and like make it you know essentially yes, useless? It com- or yeah, it completely is disabled. it still valid? It just can't be used until they let like until they let go of it again. Correct. It was just made invalid until they let go of it again. But you know. Wow. Try doing that with fiat. <laughs> <laughs> I crack oh, myself good. up sometimes. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good timing there. Was, but, yeah, but right, uh, try doing that with fiat. Regular money, yeah. Once it's you know, once it's out, it's out. You're like, it's like good luck, you know. Unless you're gonna you're gonna try and track down some uh, you know dollar bill serial numbers. That's gonna take forever. Uh, but and those yeah. get washed immediately. So oh, yeah. I thought. I thought it was very cool. I thought it, it brought out a lot of aspects that people should actually be excited about more than anything. Um, where, where else, I, you know, one of the things I brought up the other uh, on the other chat as well was that where else have you ever seen somebody be able to anonymously hack a bank, take the money, publicize it, and then give it back without ever having fear of repercussion, which is really how I think it should work. I mean, if Chase Bank has a flaw – what better way to exploit the flaw than to exploit it, tell Chase Bank about it, take the money out, show them that you can, and then give it back with no fear of repercussion. How, how often would that happen in the traditional system? Yeah, no, probably not very often. I mean, and then, never. And that's why so many – yeah, yeah, never basically. So that's why you know, so many of the, the bug reporting things and, and hack, uh, hackathons and things like that are, 
are important. They're they're important to expose those weaknesses and make through uh, you know make sure that you can improve the systems that you're trying to implement. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna say to the hacker who performed this hack, I'm gonna say, well done, sir. We applaud you for doing what you did, giving it back, um, and you know, showing people that it's not just about uh, you know hacking and being a black hat and, and making people suffer all the time. So that's my thoughts on it, at least, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, it's interesting the way it was done. Uh, I'm I'm happy that uh, the money is getting returned, and we'll see where it goes from there, and see how the the rest of the crypto space uh, reacts to the rest of it uh, moving forward. We'll see where yeah. we go. So and speaking of moving forward, what do you think about that uh, hundred? What is it? Thirty million dollars in the last eight, twelve days, or since the London fork getting mm, burned? The Ethereum burn. The burn, burn, baby, burn. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, it's 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 burning down. Uh, and one of those things was interesting because I, I remember talking to you quite a bit about was was the like you know the the psychology of a burn. And so, yeah, psychology of a burn is an interesting thing. Um, you know that. Uh, does it have a direct effect, um, you know, when you can go out and, and uh, take a, an Ethereum down to, you know, what is it, 18 decimal points is the, is the ultimate maximum of Ethereum? One, one we, way, whatever it's, however you pronounce that. I'm not sure the actual pronunciation of that, but I believe it's way. Um, but yeah, 18, 18 decimal points. So yeah, there's a psychological aspect to it. But I think the psychology is really kicking in um, because mm -hmm. over $130 million has been burned. So look at, the, look at the math on that. Yeah, look at the math on that. So that's, that's basically at the current rate, which let's not assume any increase in volume. Let's just do it direct at the current rate, which I think it will increase. Let's just say we're looking at roughly $250 million per month. 12 months, that's $3 billion a year. And at wow. the current market, yeah, yeah, Michael, that's a lot of, that's a lot of burning going on. That's a, see, I think the difference between a token, like a token on the, like an ERC 20 token doing a burn that has a $10 million market cap or a, you know, $100 million market cap. Yeah. Ethereum at 200 or, you know, whatever its market cap is right now, 300 billion or 250 billion, whatever it is right now at 250 billion burning $3 billion a year versus a token that has 7,500 users or 10,000 or 50,000 users burning 1% of its tokens. It, that's more psychological than not saying that the Ethereum burn isn't psychological, doesn't have a psychological component because it absolutely does. But, um, you know, I no, think it has more of a, a applicable burn. Like this is, this is actually really doing something more. I think it's doing more. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good word right there. It's doing more. Um, and, and it's very interesting to see that over 1% in the next 12 months. And I don't know if you know this, they're going to, I talked about this on the last podcast. 
they, the Ethereum network, has snuck in. What was the the? Uh, I can't remember what it was. Was it thirty five fifty four? Ethereum snuck in another. So in the the London fork, it wasn't just fifteen fifty nine. That was the headline. Fifteen fifty nine. The the burning of the uh, gas fee. That was the headline. But inside of there were five other EIPs, mm-hmm. and one of those specifically was uh, um, they expedited the next essentially equivalent of a halvening where it gets much harder to mine the next block transaction that was set to happen sometime next year around this time, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe like midsummer mid, it's hard to tell based on how much volume, you know, cause it, it happens at a certain block. So, but roughly around this time next year, it was set to happen. They've sped that up to happen in, uh, um, what's it called? December is now the projected time for it happening wow wow right so, so what's what's gonna happen then if if it's gonna happen sooner um well what, i what can't predict i can't predict what's gonna happen but let me tell you what it's gonna do so basically you know there's it's gonna be high, harder to mine a block which means less people are gonna be able to mine a block with the current computing power out there you know some mm-hmm. of the things that i see directly happening are if, if the, let's say mining software or mining hardware and software developers or, you know, mostly hardware, let's say mining hardware developers were set on releasing a new mining rig around March or April of next year. Now they're seven months or six months behind their release date. They've got to expedite that. So we could be in a situation in December where not only do miners have trouble mining, but, um, you know, who knows what that does to gas fees, first off. That could yeah, that really it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But I think what, it, what it's prepping people to do is weaning people off of gas, you know, and getting them ready for proof of stake. That tells me the fact that they put that in there, they snuck that in there, that tells me that they're probably trying to get ready for ETH2 a lot faster than they thought they were going to get it ready, uh, having the six-month timeline bumped up to be six months faster. Wow. In order well, to be people off of gas, right? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of, lot of talk about uh, 2.0 uh, coming. So that'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, we have a potential for a lot of cool things to happen when um, Ethereum 2 comes out. You know, one of the things I haven't been talking about too much is Cardano. Cardano, you know, is about to release their smart contract platform. Mm. Oh boy. I think in a couple weeks, but you know, it's been a long time coming as well. We're talking in the realm of four to five years. They've been talking about Cardano and getting smart contracts available. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see what, what their whole deal is going to be, but back to the burn. I think that, that the burn has shown to be fantastic. I don't think gas fees have, you know, other than when the burn first turned on and the markets went crazy and the price started rising and gas just went up as a result. I think it's, you know, gas seems fairly stable to me. Um, I don't think it's, have you noticed anything? Um, I mean, with, with all these NFT projects dropping, I've definitely seen a lot of the, uh, some major, major gas prices, but I think things seem to have, you know, stabilized it. it and, and, you know, that happens just because of the network, you know, when there's high traffic, high, 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 high demand, you're, you're going to see those crazy gas prices, but, you know, it 
it's been interesting. I've seen some really reasonable prices. I, I actually picked up a couple of NFTs uh, a little while back. Uh, a kitty um, butt. I saw that. I saw you a kitty butt. <laughs> That's some pretty good art, man. That's some pretty good art. I like them. They and they had a whole bunch of like unique uh, other features that weren't even uh, like tracked in the uh, like like. There's like ones that don't have a shadow that people didn't realize was like an Easter egg kind of a thing. And they actually put oh, cool. Easter eggs in the contract code. They actually hid a kitty in the contract code that somebody found like, and brought it to him, like posted it. And, uh, they like gave him a free kitty, but, but yeah, so it was, it was, it's, you know, pretty cool. But yeah, the, the different projects with the, you know, dropping their NFTs and, and creating huge demand on the network that it's kind of crazy sometimes that people are paying such huge prices for things. Uh, but well, supply and demand, I guess, right? Yeah, but I mean, even those, uh, with the exception of those, rather, with the exception of those little spurts in time where you have, you know, an increase in gas for maybe, you know, 20 minutes, an hour, yeah, maybe. Yeah, bursts. You know, they're bursts. Yeah, I haven't really seen it where I know that uh, when we had the last run up like this, I mean, you know, essentially in the last two weeks we've gone from since the burn we've gone from you know right at two thousand dollars right around two thousand dollars and we've increased what you know 30 40 percent in the last uh, two weeks to get to where we are right now um mm -hmm. so you know that's uh that's pretty pretty amazing that it didn't have the type of because i remember when when we went from you know we were at like 2500 at the beginning of the summer or maybe even a little less and we jumped up to that 4000 range and i know that gas was going crazy there for whole days so yeah actually remember I'm, that? I'm, yeah i'm actually on gas tracker uh, right now looking at it and it's a little high right now even I is mean, it really yeah and and <laughs> it's definitely looks like it's because of nfts it's uh what's the averages again? Exactly. Yeah. Average is yeah. 57 way and, uh, open seas, the number one, uh, number one rank, uh, what percentage are address. they doing right now? 17.8. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that just goes to show you how much NFTs are becoming uh, commonplace and we'll have to yeah. do a whole, we'll have to bring my, my best friend, Robert on. If he's out there listening, you have to, we have to get you on here so that you can, he's, uh, he's one of the, principles of nifty culture i know you guys have seen me on there a couple times with them but um he's a very early adopter in that and maybe we can get him on for a podcast to help talk us through you know his visit vis vision for nifties and what they could turn yeah. into in the future yeah I mean, they're pretty amazing they're pretty amazing uh I'm, I'm tracking a project right now that's getting ready to launch uh that's uh pretty pretty interesting in the the live you know the real world nifty uh like tracking for you know real world product what is that one so um it's a wine project actually Interesting. so cool. high grade investment grade wines oh nice very nice uh, yeah that, those are some of the projects that i think at bank social we'd be interested in looking at too you know to mm -hmm. to uh provide capital for and bring into the ecosystem. Um, so yeah, we should keep our eyes out for, for stuff like that, but let's, let's get yep. back on track here. Cause yeah. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. we had a, we had an even more important topic here to touch, which is 
the resurgence of all these people disappeared for the last two, three months. I was like, where did everybody go? And now all of a sudden, oh, well, they're back. All these influencers yeah. are back. Yeah. Well, you know, when the markets are, are, are bleeding, you don't want to, you know, hype people up about stuff that's not looking too good to them. But as soon as, as soon as you get a, a you know a bit of an upturn, whoo, comes out of the you woodwork. Think that's what it is. I don't know. I mean, I think so a little bit that you you know you don't, it's uh, you know an advertising thing that you know you don't want you know buy when there's blood in the streets for sure. That's for the people that are trying to make make money. They're the ones that are buying. You don't not you're not exactly talking about it. But I think when you're when you've accumulated. And you have your bag so much, uh, you know, that's maybe when people start to talk about it. Or, you know, maybe maybe they've got their own. Oh. Yeah, very well said. No, I'm, I'm going to give you some clapping on that. I think the community, I mean, I think I, I agree exactly with you on that, Michael. You're, that's exactly what it is. I didn't mean to cut you off, but, the, you know, the crowd, the crowd, we can't control the crowd here. Yeah. Um, can't, can't crypto Conquest. Crowd. <laughs> but and like, like you were saying continue like you were saying you know they 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 buy and they they don't talk about it they they leave a morsel of hey it's going to get bad um then they don't talk about it for a while and then they accumulate i think you said it perfectly yeah i mean i, I think that's that's how to look at it and uh you know i think the pattern kind of repeats you they'll, they'll kind of you know you'll see them go off and and then they'll come back, and you know, unless unless there are other influencers like like you know YouTubers or uh, you know pump influencers, those are unfortunate. And those no, ones I don't are- think we're talking about those. Let's, I mean, specifically, I'm talking about Cuban, Elon, hmm. yeah, you know, those guys, right? Oh, yeah. Because those, those guys are beyond influencers. I mean, they they are. They are definitely influencing people in in things uh but uh yeah it's interesting to see the way that they operate they're they're the you know the the corporate influencers they're the 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 major major influencers that that you know make moves on a different level i'd say probably so why do you think they're back i mean i i i think the moves that they make are different but i think that the uh the strategy i think is probably still the same you know they're they're they've been doing their deals making their deals and now it's time so you think they're back for good this time i don't know i don't know let's not say for good that's a strong word yeah i mean i would say they're, they're back for this next period and however long that is i think we're you know We'll have to see. Interesting. So you do think that, that that we're in a period. So you think they're back for a bull run? Don't know how long it's going to be. Of course, we're none of, neither one of us are are you know prophesizing here. But we feel like they're back for the bull run. They're ready to take uh, advantage or you know help uh, bring more retail buyers into the mix, um, and that's what. I feel the same way, Michael. I mean, I think I, I like the way you said that too. There, the retail buyers. You can clap for yourself if you like. No, I, I, I <laughs> but, can't control it. Like I said, I can't control yeah, I can't. The, the audience. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. <laughs> but the the retail buyers that that's I think that's really what the the outside influencers 
are 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 targeting like people like Elon and and um, Cuban and any any of the others like uh, for instance um, actually back to like NFTs for a second like uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh, Mila Kunis with their Stoner Cats NFT they're they're no more normal you know movie star you know, show personality people a lot of people follow them and when they put a project out whether that's in TV or in the crypto space. They're getting those retail people, those those individuals that are like, hey, I follow this guy. What is this thing that they're talking about? Which, you know, I think overall for the space is probably good. It's probably good, I think, if we're talking about more people adopting crypto in, in itself as, as I, a thing. I was talking to a friend of mine about that specific scenario with, and it was actually Robert, um, we were talking about that specific project, uh, the, the cat project. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was Mila Kunis. Stoner cats. Stoner cats. <laughs> that's right. It was yeah. Mila Kunis and, and uh, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. And they got, yep. And they got together. Now, Did the, you see the that one they actually that, had Vitalik with them? Who? Buterin. Really? No, I didn't. Oh but, yeah. But there, that there's a video that, that, that they literally had him like in the, their house like they were they were sitting there and and ashton was like asking mila something about that like about ethereum as well and then like he turns he like pans the camera over and vitalik's like sitting at their table wow that's a cool yeah and that was i i think that was actually like right before or no yeah yeah it was it was during it was during or like right before the launch of the stoner cats so it was definitely an interesting collaboration and connection but it's, uh... So wait, so you know the one thing I don't understand. I thought when I talked to my friend Robert, they launched. Where did where did that launch on Rarible? Uh I don't know where it launched. Hang on. So the, the one thing that I think about, um, and a friend of mine, Robert, shares the same. He's with again with Nifty Culture. He shared the same sentiment. Is that he believes that the one place right now that is bringing retail. This is specifically NFT buyers, but I think it goes to crypto in general. The one place you get uh, retail buyers is where it's a quick credit card transaction. Because most retail buyers, I would argue, are not people with crypto wallets that know exactly what they're doing and know how to transfer stuff around and get on Rarible and connect their wallet. And projects that launch on NFT gate or uh, Nifty Gateway, which is a Gemini uh, brand, Gemini product. It has credit card connectivity. You can buy directly with your credit card. You don't have to know crypto. You can truly be a retail buyer that has oh, wow. no that, crypto experience. Yeah. You see? So those are those when I say retail buyers, I mean those types of buyers. Now, I do think that more people bought the Ashton Kutcher than would have just as a general NFT project. You know, you're you're just your hardcore NFT people probably wouldn't have bought that project if it wasn't Mila Kunis and uh, Ashton on it, but you know that's not to bring up Bank Social, but that's why we've been looking at doing the Fiat on ramp is because it's such mm -hmm. a critical part of the retail capturing that retail sector where you're dealing with people who just have a credit card. They can download a wallet, they can download Trust Wallet, but beyond that, how much are you going to make them do to try to capture that, you know, that eyeball and turn it into a user? And every time you add that that uh, 
so that's that's the one place where I feel like even though Doge is available and you can buy Doge, um, you know, it's on Coinbase now, so now it's in more retailers' hands. But all these other and you know, Cuban for the last few days has been talking about. Uh, did you see that tweet where Cuban said something to the effect of, "It's you know, ninety percent of the users on his uh, Matt Dallas Mavericks merchandise website, he takes all cryptos, but they're all using Doge." And I don't think it's a it's truly a fair assessment to say the reason why they're using Doge is because it's just a better way to transact. It's the people's money. I think that the reason why they're using Doge is because they can go to Coinbase and buy it, but they would just as easily use Bank Social if they could go buy it on Coinbase. They probably would use it more because it, it seems like a more legit, you know, more legit project than than uh, something like a Doge would be. So I, I think that. Um, you know, they have an agenda, of course, nothing wrong with the agenda. I think getting getting retail people into crypto is definitely a good thing. Um, but it's really those projects that could truly capture the retailer. Uh, and I think that's what they're focused on is those types of projects. And that's why Doge is rising to the top, because it's got that ability. It can be bought on places where people could go in directly with their credit card or attach their bank account and with a snap of a finger, they've got Doge and they don't have to know anything else. They just have to know how to. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's once, once people have easy, you know, easy access to those barriers to, to entry to, to market, um, you know, to, to adoption are removed. It, yeah. It, that those easy on ramps like Robinhood. you know, as soon as Robinhood, to talk about that, that app, <laughs> uh, had it like tons of people were were playing with doge at that point like tons i couldn't i don't even can imagine how many people were in and out of robin hood playing with that but then then there's that those issues of a centralized exchange controlling things as well but um yeah yeah one, once more people have access you know more people can participate yeah, and that's where I that's where I really think uh, this this whole ecosystem has to go. The whole crypto space and the whole crypto ecosystem has to get to a place where it's seamless for the retail user. That's when this crypto is really, really going to take off, and banks are not going to be able to stop it because it's going to be ingrained in so many places in our in a natural workflow that that's just going to be it. So so let's let's get to this. Let's get to this. Yeah. What is your prediction? for the rest of the year and where we get to by let's not even look out to all the way to, to January because that might be a little hard but let's just say through the rest of the third quarter and coming into the fourth quarter what do you what's your sentiment on the market I I think uh -oh. that we're <laughs> I think we're headed I think I think the market in general I believe is heading up, um, and I, I think that I think, I think you're just, right. Yeah, I, I think that's just that uh, the, the news is out there. People are seeing it more. People are getting more involved. The institutional investors are are likely, you know, doing their own things. But it's it's as we get greater and greater adoption. It's gonna, it's gonna rise, and and it, it may have its contractions, uh, and and pullbacks, but eventually, you know, and I don't believe it to be even a year out that that, that we're gonna continue to see increases and gains. Do you uh, think we see the types of gains that we saw, uh, you know, at some point, just 
if we look at this is not a traditional market, so I don't want to I don't want to utilize it as a mm, as a way to project out the future of crypto. But if we look at traditional economic models, there's typically a, a plateau point, right? Where where um, a market gets to a point, it's had its rise, it's had its falls, and now it kind of finds stability. Do you think that the way crypto, where it is right now, I think we have to look at it, you know, it's very still very early in its life cycle. Um, do you think it eventually gets there, though, to where it has a balance out? Or do you think some of these Bitcoin maximalists, you know, they see a never ending pop on where the, the price per coin per Bitcoin can go? Are you one of those people or are you more along the lines of, you know, eventually it'll take over 30 percent of the overall economic market, you know, supply and demand that exists across all markets and it will plateau out and it'll become just like everything else. Or do you see it as just something that can infinitely grow? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been in the space really long enough to, to, to make a prediction like that. But from what I've seen, from what I've remembered about, you know, Bitcoin being used to like, you know, buy a pizza way back when to where it has become what it is now that there's an amazing amount of growth that has, has occurred. And it's kind of like, is it going to continue in Bitcoin or is there going to be another currency? Is there going to be a next new currency that, that has that rise? And I think that's, I think that's where we see more of the other coins get more of the market share. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's definitely a possibility. I, I definitely see that there are, because it's so new, because everything is so fresh, there's definitely an opportunity for other projects, other tokens. Right right now we're in that, that time period, that gap between, um, in, in business, I learned this from a, a VC that was mentoring me for a while, and he taught me about this concept called the chasm uh, of just, any type of, you know, spinning up anything, whether that's a business or a relationship, there's this chasm that exists between you have the startup and the energy and everything's going and it's getting off the ground um, and then it kind of plateaus and then you have this period of time where, you know, to reach new users, to get new functionality, to get new, you know, to, to breathe life back into it, it takes time. And Every business goes through it, and it, it sometimes happens later or earlier. It just depends on the, the type of business and the market conditions and all this stuff. But if you can't survive that chasm, and so right now I feel like a lot of a lot of the crypto prod, the crypto in general is in this chasm. It's you know call it 10, 11 years of, of uh, some type of mainstream notice of what it is, right? Acknowledgement of what it is. And it ramped up and now it's in this chasm of it has all these people inside it that are part of the ecosystem screaming crypto's the evolution. Uh, but there hasn't been this there hasn't been this uh, leap from the first side of that chasm 
to the other side of that chasm to really create that momentum shift to saying, okay, now there's a whole, you know, ecosystem open. There's a whole market, you know, including the people, including everything involved with it, that there, it can't be stopped now. And we're very, very close to surviving that chasm. Um, but I think we're, we're still there and we're still right. So that's why it's very, I think, you know, I always talk about how exciting it is to be in the space in this time. And we're still very, oh, very yeah. early adopters of what is going to eventually turn from this. Um, but I'm, I'm very, um, very, very, you know, optimistic about the future of crypto and what, what ends up coming out of all this. And I'm excited to see that these influencers are back in the mix. Um, they're ready for this next bull run because I think the last bull run at the beginning of the summer, again, when my mom called me and said she's buying Dogecoin to Mark Cuban's point because it's easy to buy, you know, that was the singling signaling to me that the chasm is just about bridged and Yep. You know, with this next wave, I feel like these influencers, they already they already created that first initial push. You know, they they shrugged off that that first initial wave of skepticism, brought a lot of new retail people on with Dogecoin specifically. I think Dogecoin's a big catalyst to this whole thing because it really put into the people's minds that if a meme coin like Dogecoin can be worth something, then any other token, any other token can also have the same or more potential. And I yeah, think so that's, that's really when it comes down to these influencers and why they chose Dogecoin. And I think you see it in Elon Musk a lot when he talks about it. He He's very, very uh, – um, it's almost comical when he talks about it because he's like, yeah, why, why not Dogecoin? It's just, as good as, it's just as good as any of the rest of them, right? Maybe yeah. better because it does <laughs> paint that picture of, you know, again, this is a meme coin and it works. So if a meme coin works and people can rally behind a meme coin, just imagine what they can do with with something that provides even more functionality. Yep. Absolutely. You see that? You see that point? Is that does that make sense? Oh yeah. Cool. Cool. So, well that's it, Michael. Wow, what a great this was a great one. I think this was uh, probably the best one we've had since we've started the Crypto Conquest podcast and I look forward to having you on as a co-host several more times as much as you are willing to come on. I know that the community loves you in our bank social community and being online with us. So, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We applaud yeah. you. We applaud you. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll see you next time on the Crypto Conquest. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining. Thanks, Michael. Absolutely, John. All right. Well, you guys have a fantastic have a weekend wherever you are, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Bye.